0: This is Dawn Schuler, certified trainer and business consultant at the Schuler Group with the People Thrive Companies Thrive podcast. The topic of today's episode was an idea that I had weeks and weeks and weeks ago, well before the coronavirus took center stage and became the beginning, middle, and end of almost every conversation we're having. Whether that's with clerks at the grocery stores, our clients as we are checking in remotely, family members who are not local and maybe they want to be or need to be and we have to figure out how to help them as well as stay safe ourselves. Concerns about our fellow local business owners and what this is going to do to their businesses and the economy as a whole. So even though the incident that sparked this concept was kind of an everyday incident and obviously not at the pandemic scale, it still has threads that are very similar. So let me share what happened. Several weeks ago, my older daughter who lives and works in Philadelphia called me on a Friday night. And she calls me frequently, so this wasn't unusual. So I pick up the phone, and I said, "Hey, I was about to call you because I could see on the caller ID it was she." Immediately, I could tell something was very wrong. She was hyperventilating, sobbing at the same time, and saying, "My car was either stolen or towed. What do I do?" She was getting ready to leave out of town to go visit her boyfriend, and now all of a sudden no car. Was it stolen? Did it get towed? And she's in a panic. And of course, she calls mom to help. And so I go into mom mode. And I start thinking, okay, what do I need to do? How can I help? Do I do I need to go up to Philadelphia? I'm in the Washington DC, Baltimore area. So it's not, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that I might do that. But I'm starting to think, okay, I can do this, and what do we need to do, and then call the police, or call the towing company, or go into the parking lot. So I'm I'm going through all this in my head as she's hyperventilating and panicking. And then something happened on the phone call where she got disconnected. And could have been she called the police, or she found out something, or something just happened to the phone line. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll wait for her to call back and what was interesting was in those 15 minutes until she did call back i found myself calming down and thinking well there's no need for me to go to philadelphia there's nothing there's nothing that i can do if it was towed she'll have to call the towing company and get it then see what she has to do then if it got stolen she'll file a police report and the next steps will emerge at that part of the path. There's really nothing that my presence in Philadelphia is going to help. But I realized that I was caught up in the moment, caught up in the emotions, and then once I stepped out of that, I was able to think rationally. So my first response was an absolute reaction. And of course, I've talked a couple of different times on this podcast about reactive versus proactive. And our first instinct is to react because it is instinctual. We need to react. In primitive times, a quick reaction is what saved our lives. What I realized that that incident was like was like when you go to the beach and there's a really strong undertow. And even up at the beach, when the waves are lapping, if it's a rocky day at the beach and windy in the waves, it can be really easy to get caught up in that undertow and it takes you away and you have to fight to get out of it. You have to fight to get out of the current. Some currents are lazy and it's easy to step in and out of. Other currents, not so much. What I realized on the phone with my older daughter, that because the phone call got disconnected, that was an immediate break. And I was thrust out of the current, so to speak. So I was able to take a few deep breaths, think rationally and logically, be more prepared when she called back. And we put forth a plan of action. By the way, what happened was her her car did end up getting towed, and she picked it up the next morning. Her boyfriend sweetly came up from Baltimore, helped her out, and then um, and then he went back home the next day. So she still got to see her boyfriend, and the car was towed, not stolen. So it all worked out, right? But it was a very good example for me how easy it is to get sucked into that current. And now let's look at what's happening today. And of course, depending on when you're listening to this, who knows what's happening in the coronavirus world? What I know is here in Maryland today, the governor shut down all restaurants, gyms, theaters, bars. And so any place that people could congregate for non-essential functions closed down. We've been going to Costco trying to get our toilet paper and paper towels, not because we're trying to stock up and hoard, because we're actually running out. And we've been trying for two weeks to get toilet paper. And it's absurd and funny, but at the same time, okay (laughs) wow there's there is an actual shortage of certain goods going into our Aldi grocery store and buying some things because we grocery shop on a two or three times a week basis because we get fresh foods and and the like and the poor little clerk who checked us out just looked exhausted and I said how are you doing has it been pretty rough and She said, I'm I'm tired, and I said, hopefully everybody's being nice to you. And she said, yeah, they're okay, (laughs) which tells me maybe not so many are being nice to her. But what she said is we were here until 1 a.m. in the morning. Now, Aldi, unlike other grocery stores, closes at 9, so they were there until 1 a.m., and I'm thinking, I asked, were you restocking? She said, no, we were simply flattening and crushing boxes because people were buying all the canned goods, etc. And they're just throwing the boxes on the floor. And of course, those boxes need to be broken down. And Aldi doesn't experience hordes and hordes and hordes of people coming through on a daily basis and pretty much emptying the shelves. And their policy is they stock, they just stack the the boxes of, of goods. They don't shelve them like other grocery stores will do. They just leave them in the boxes so then when there's an empty box they pull it out. But when there's a run on the grocery store, similar to what we saw in It's a Wonderful Life with a run on the bank, all reason is tossed aside and therefore the boxes are tossed aside in the middle of the aisles. So the poor little workers had to work probably an extra three hours more than they normally would in order to take care of that and then back at it the next day it's easy to see that we all, including me, are getting caught up in that current. And that current, this particular current, is very difficult to step out of. The undertow is so strong you can't swim out of it very easily. It's an extremely conscious effort to not get caught up in it. Now, I'm not talking about not being informed, but staying in that current of constant information and the constant updates and the fear-based and even me talking about how there's a run on toilet paper at Costco and Aldi and all of this, it does perpetuate that. And then, of course, things like the school's close. Workplaces are highly encouraged to offer their workers to perform their work remotely. Events are canceled or hopefully just postponed, but they aren't happening now. Things that people have been preparing for, conferences, events, extended travel plans, are canceled, done, put off. I had a colleague send some information and she said, a friend of hers who's a travel agent, all of her clients have canceled their plans except one who was taking a grand vacation, taking his family, probably abroad, $50,000 vacation and didn't want to lose the money. So he's the only one who didn't cancel. Everyone else canceled. And of course, understanding the global nature of this virus, that makes sense in in that realm. But it is affecting everybody in some way or another. And then of course, some more than others. It's very, very difficult to not get caught up in that current. And then once you are in the current, to fight your way out of it. So going back to that idea of proactive versus reactive is of course, I almost always start out with acknowledge. Acknowledge if you are caught up in the current, if you're in fear base, if you're in panic, if you might be making decisions or taking steps or even having thoughts that are reactive out of that panic and fear. The second step is do your best to deliberately remove yourself from the current. I have a private coaching client who said she was just exhausted after last week, just couldn't handle just simple tasks. And part of it was probably dealing with the constant news and energy and panic. So she said she's limiting herself to only checking in on the news twice a day, 10 minutes max. So limiting your participation in the current. Doing things that, this would be number three, doing things that bring you joy. On one of my client teams, one of the ways that the the team members is dealing with it, as he said, he's put a, together a list of post-apocalyptic movies. And there's something like, I think he said 40, maybe even 60 movies. And he binge watched post-apocalyptic movies. Now, maybe that doesn't quite bring one joy. It is certainly a way to deal with it. But there was this amusing nature. And then I shared that Spotify music channel, uh, there's some some of the listeners have posted their coronavirus playlists, and some of them are quite clever. And it's a way that people cope, right? But going back to things that bring you joy, I love to paint. I have been obsessed, actually, with painting a particular method for the last couple of months. And so I've been doing that every weekend anyway. Now I want to do it more in the evenings, even during the work week, because it makes me happy. I love the colors. It's a way to focus my attention that's away from all of this, even if it's only for a little bit. And then number four would be to go inward and be quiet. Actually, a better way to say that is to be still. Whether you meditate, whether you hike, whether you do something like sewing or knitting, and again, just in a place of quietness and stillness, To really just allow yourself to slow down and integrate. I shared with you that one of my private clients was exhausted over last week. We are running a mental race. Well, let's go back to that idea of the current. And we're trying to fight to swim out of it. To extricate ourselves from that very strong current. That is exhausting. It's as if we're doing mental calisthenics. It's exhausting our brain. And there's so much input. The input is coming and and there are statistics and graphs. And here's what you should do. And how long does the virus stay airborne? And uh, There's so much information that we're getting overwhelmed. We're not used to that much of input. So going quiet, going inward, being still is a way to integrate and slow down. In times of mourning and loss, that depression that happens, well, there's actually a very good physical reason for that. When there's that natural depression after a loss, like say a death or a relationship or a traumatic crisis you go into a mental depression because your body is saying we need you to slow down and actually process and deal with what's going on with you internally not what actions are you going to take not rush to the store to get toilet paper not rush to the store to you know, get as many cans of beans as possible But what do you need to do to process internally? Every Monday, I facilitate a strategy meeting for one of our clients. And I closed out the meeting with this. I said, be compassionate with everyone around you. Because you may not know what they're dealing with. For example, My daughter and her boyfriend and her cat are now staying with us indefinitely because she wanted to get out of Philadelphia and be home with family. That's changing our lives. My younger daughter is still at school in New York, right in the same county where there was one of the largest outbreaks in the U.S. And... Her father and I are trying to get her to come home. She's not home yet. We really want her home. <laughs> and then, of course, so that's the personal stuff. And then the business stuff, as I mentioned, events are getting canceled. We're having to make adjustments just like everyone else. What I was trying to get across to the other team members was that that's my situation. And what I'm dealing with, it's, it's affecting me and other people they might have a worse situation or it's affecting them differently or they've got worries and concerns that we can't fathom. It's not always obvious from the outside how other people are doing. And even if we talk about it, oh, here's what happened and oh, this is this and that is that, we don't know how difficult a time they're having. So I recommended that they be even more compassionate and empathetic than they might normally be. And we shouldn't have to need a virus in order for that to be the case. We never know what it's like to live someone else's life. We never know exactly what it is to deal with the things that they have to deal with. Even if our situation looks similar, we're not the same people. We didn't have the same background, didn't have the same experiences. We're not wired the same. So we cannot judge how other people are conducting themselves. And so that compassion isn't just for now, it is for always, or at least something to aspire to. I hope you're safe and healthy and that your loved ones, friends, families, colleagues are safe and healthy as well. Until next time, may you thrive.